So Red Bull make yet more history, but McLaren steal the show. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Yeah, I can't quite believe it either. That was a strange, strange British Grand Prix in many, many ways. Welcome to episode 456 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. Glad you could join us as ever. It's a very cozy affair on this occasion, just the two of us on this one. Me and Mr. Cam Buckley. How's it going, sir? Uh, <laughs> it's it's going. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's it's going. We're like we're we're both hanging in there today. Um, mentally, has been tough for us the last couple of days, but we're hanging in there, and we're and we're going to do what we do reasonably well, which is talk shit about sports. Um, and in this case, it's Formula One, and in this case, it's the British Grand Prix. And um, yeah, I mean, we won't get into too much detail right now, Cam, but this was a very weird. This was not like most British Grand Prix, i.e. We didn't get a, a bucket load of rain. Um, it was I mean, actually we did on Saturday, on Saturday, on Sunday, but a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit off and on. But it wasn't super heavy. We got a bit. Of, we, got, we got a sprinkle in here and there. Mm. Apart from the morning, the morning. I mean, shit, that was very that, British. Very was, British weather that morning. It, it doesn't get more British than having it pissed down on your head while you're in a tent, um, <laughs> you know, and being woken up by the sound of rainfall as Brad Pitt's doing his practice run for his new movie. Um, and I got woken up by the engine noise, and then, I, as I like to say on on Twitter now, the big piss. Uh, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, what the hell is that scoop? Um, oh, oh, it's the ocean falling from the sky. Yes. You know, you know, it, it's incredible, you know. Andretti and General Motors want to put up all this money. They have GameBridge involved, and mm. F1 doesn't want to let them in. But Brad Pitt wants to make an F1 movie, and they let an eleven team in, no problem. Yeah, yeah, we we, we had an eleven team grid. It was it was it was. Uh, like, I still can't believe we're we're talking about a man who turns sixty later this year playing a Formula One driver in a movie. I know Hollywood likes to whack a few extra years, you know, off someone to play them. I know makeup is very effective these days, um, but still, I, 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 I found I found that wild. I love that Jason in the chat goes, "You got hit by nature and Apex GP, damn son." Yeah, damn. It, it was <laughs> it was a rough Saturday uh. morning. Um, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to say real quick because I know a lot of you guys who cross over listen to this. Um, Big thanks to everyone at the WTF One Clubhouse who I got to see uh, over the over the Thursday to the Saturday. I'm gutted I couldn't be there for the Grand Prix as well, but uh, duty called, and I had to uh, get back to London so I could uh, host the uh, the uh, WTF One Rap uh, Power by uh, by their friends at MoneyGram. Uh, I got to actually got to meet half their team. Actually, they were they were very very nice people. Uh, so shout out to MoneyGram, shout out to David and the whole team over there. They were fantastic guys as ever. Um, and everyone that was down there, everybody that said hi, everybody was just ridiculously kind and polite um, and just incredibly good-natured people, especially given one of the relevant themes was me shoving a microphone in lots of people's faces. Um, you guys are all very receptive to that. Um, a certain remember someone, that. Yeah, remember that. It becomes very important later um, because, sadly, after Megan the Stallion, after Austin, after, after Austin 2021, We've got to talk about this again, unfortunately, but we will get to that in a moment. We'll also talk a little bit about Red Bull because, yes, history was made 
for the second, only the second time in F1 history, a team has won 11 consecutive Grand Prix, um, which is just ridiculous. Bonkers. Bonkers, nuts, ridiculous. However you want to describe it. However you want to describe it. Um, and yeah, we, we'll talk about both sides of the Red Bull garage because again, it's a bit of a polarizing time um, in that camp right now, especially if you're Sergio Perez, who this as of this morning, at the time we're recording this, got the and I quote "vote of confidence" message, as I like to say from which I, I borrow from soccer, where it's like, no, no, we have no plans to replace our driver. Says he's team already dead. <laughs> His body, like, <laughs> in the words of Commander Zavala, his body is dead. It just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> R.I.P. Lance Reddick. Oh, if we miss you, Lance Reddick, my God. Um, yes, like like a team that is like it's it's like there's no way we're going to fire him early. Says team that has made a complete reputation of firing people early. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about Sergio Perez, a little bit about Red Bull, and of course a little bit about McLaren um, because uh, of the weekend. Arguably, no question, the story of the weekend for me. Qualifying second and third, shocking the world, and then and then doubling down in the race and bringing their cars home second and fourth. Uh, McLaren just doubled their entire season points haul in one weekend. Um, Alpine's goose is cooked. <laughs> oh, uh, so before we get into the nitty gritty, I, I, I have a chat with uh, Valka Ranevsky over at the race, who's a, a, a friend and a fellow colleague now under the races on uh, media umbrella. If you if you know your MotoGP, um, fantastic rider over there, um, and uh, he we literally had a chat about it after Austria, and we said if McLaren's pace is anything like what it was in Austria on Norris's car. Alpine is, Alpine is finished. And uh, turns out it was even better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It actually, we, we actually lowballed it. We, no, no, we lowballed it. We're putting both our cars. Like, McLaren has had three cars in the top four in the last two races. It only took redesigning every aerodynamic surface on the car and firing <laughs> James Key into the sun. <laughs> we'll get into that very very shortly places you can find us real quick we are on motorsport101.com that is our website um if you want some bonus words from yours truly regarding everything that went down at silverstone you can check that out over there you can follow us on social media um our twitter is motorsport underscore 101 our personal handles uh, are at dre underscore wtf1 and at c buckley 917 rj who isn't with us this week but uh, got a bit of a headache get well soon big man he's at rj o'connell you can follow him there um and if you can follow us on instagram motorsport 101 pod and if you're that way inclined you can follow me on freds as well because this the username is exactly the same as it is same um, here the, yeah so you, you actually have to get in early to make sure that no one sits on your username oh yeah like, like I, I, I was an early adopter don't you know? Uh, you know, as <laughs> I was like, as I, like, you can't see, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretending to smoke a pipe right now. I'll, I'll give it the Porsche away. It's like, oh, Porsche, hop it goes in the back. <laughs> what you've done as a grown man is stick a lit pipe in your mouth backwards. 
<laughs> never gets old. Um, so you could, and of course, like I say, if you really like us, you could back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Five bucks gets you early access to all of our episodes. Ten gets you in the supporters club of our Discord section where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded. Shout out to Jason, as ever, in the audience for watching along. If you're also in there, say hi. Uh, we don't bite, honest. Um, but uh, yeah, d- d- I hope you guys listening and enjoying the show. Let's get into the British Grand Prix and let's get into McLaren. Well, before we get into McLaren, let's just clear some of the semantics out of the way early. Yes, Max Verstappen won. You are all shocked. Mm-hmm. You are all in disbelief. You are all flabbergasted. Uh, he won his sixth straight race, and Red Bull has won their 11th straight going back to last year's Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, tying McLaren's run with the legendary MP44, 11 wins on the bounce. One more win in Hungary, and they take the all-time consecutive win record. Mm-hmm. But the real surprise was who was behind Max. McLaren? Where the hell Lando did that come Norris from? Norris was second. <laughs> and only finished a handful of seconds behind the Dutchman. And it took Oscar Piastri getting a really badly mistimed VSC and then full safety car to lose what looked to be a nailed-on podium mm. as the VSC timing enabled Lewis, um, who endured a torrid weekend up to that point in the uh, now-dead W14 according to Toto as of this morning. Uh, no more mm-hmm. development on what he's now calling the Diva 2.0. Yep. D-O-A. D-O-A. Um, man, two Brits on the podium for the first time since 99. Remember, Jensen Button never actually got a podium here. Yeah, I was Being shocked close. when I found that out on Sunday. Jensen Button never had a podium at the British Grand Prix. I think the, Amazingly, I think the closest he got was when it was all crobing 2014 and he was trying to gun down Daniel Ricciardo the weekend his dad died. <laughs> There's like three occasions where he finished fourth and two of them were not by big margins at all. No, like, that, was, that was a wild time. But uh, yeah, the last, to- the last time we had two Brits on a British Grand Prix podium was Eddie Irvine and David Coulthard in 1999. And Eddie Irvine is already stretching the definition of the term British. Um, <laughs> depending on who you ask. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that one there. But uh, in the words of, of, of Idris Elba, when he was string a bell. Like, are we putting the word back out here that McLaren is back up? We'll see. It is real. It is a really good sign that they carried this through from Austria mm. because they bring their heavily revised car to Austria. They brought in more parts for Norris this weekend. Oscar was still on the previous weekend spec, still looking good. Um, they were fast. James Key really ain't shit, huh? <laughs> in, 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 it's amazing as well, because like they fired James Key before this season even got to Europe. And that was, I want to say, the third major McLaren technical reshuffle since Zach Brown took over in 2016. Yeah, major one at the end of 2018, major one, yeah. And I mean, since their quote-unquote fall from grace about a decade ago, this makes it like number six 
of major reshuffle. Um, and half their new guys aren't even due back until or due until next year. Like Rob Marshall at Red Bull and David Sanchez isn't. They're not starting until January. So yeah, yeah, yeah they're kind of mid shakeup right now. It's actually very similar to how things went going into 2019 when they kind of an interim group developed the 2019 car and it ended up being a massive improvement on the 2018 car. Not that the bar was especially high. Um, <laughs> Development by committee. <laughs> yeah. So big, big update, very Aston esque in a lot of parts of the car and boy, it, it showed, but I would pump the brakes on this for now because we had a very weird race, a very weird conditions for this race coupled to new tires all new tire construction for this weekend that made them more durable. Mm. Too durable in a certain sense. But that coupled with the temperature meant that actually a lot of cars, a lot of advantages were blunted and a lot of disadvantages were kind of papered over. Um, interestingly enough, Red Bull. Red Bull were fast. They still ran the field over, but to nowhere near the same degree as they have up to this point in the season. It was very similar to Canada where... The car was too gentle on its tires. Yeah. It couldn't actually fire the tires up. Max had to really hot lap the thing for six or seven laps to really get some some major lap time out of it. Norris actually jumped him at the start. It took him about five laps to get past him. Yeah. Even with uh, the funny DRS from Red Bull. Yeah. Yeah. Like This is probably the most Max has had to try so far this season um to fully establish himself in a grand prix which in of itself is an achievement if you're mclaren yeah. like um like like they had to really work hard like rebel had to genuinely work quite hard on this one and you know max was not happy for most of this race still found, found the way to get it done um and if anything again the like back half of that race when it was Lando Norris on new hards compared to Max on new softs, their pace was pretty much identical after the after it shook out. Well, that's the thing about this this these tires and the the ultra cool conditions that we were in. It basically made all the tires the same. Yeah, it, it was like there was no, like Carlos Sainz said it himself after the race. The the the, like, the tire there was no tire delta here whatsoever. None. Yeah. It, it did not matter what the tire hearts. you were on. The hards were just as fast as the softs, and the softs were just as durable as the hards. It was weird. Yeah, George Russell went 29 laps of Silverstone on a pair of soft tires. It's Silverstone, it, the, the ultimate tire shredder. <laughs> yeah, it's like the cool conditions meant that you would take the initial edge off. The softs were a little bit quicker for a couple of laps, and then you lost the best of the tire, but they never wore. Yeah, they never... Like they never you know, ran down and yeah. the, the Russell's tires were used in quality as well. So you had a bonsai qualifying lap on those tires as well. Yeah. You had, you had the grain in phase like the soft tires normally do, but, uh, but they, 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 the wear was still absolutely fine. Um, absolutely nuts stuff. It was a, like I said, it was, one of these, it was a very bizarre British Grand Prix. Cause that, cause normally we establish like Britain is almost always a guaranteed two stopper. It is a tire shredder, it obliterates Pirelli's, and it's a game of time. A little management. bit too much sometimes. Yeah. Famously, a decade F ago. Famously, yeah. But then again, that uh, was the team's also thinking, hey, what if we put the right tire on the left tire? And hmm. then random under pressure. Um, hmm. 
Yeah, but but all what it ended up doing as well, these cars generate so much high speed grip as the ground effect cars that they are that really a lot of cars just did not have to suffer their typical disadvantages. The Williams was quick here. Genuinely Will, quick. Alex Albon got a absolutely on merit P8 ahead of both Ferraris. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, Ferrari, you suck. <laughs> Fred, How do you do that? I, I cannot believe Fred Vassar, and he's a very honest man, bless him. Fred Vassar openly said after the race that they were too afraid to push on their tires because they were so scared of their early races this year where their tire wear was astronomically bad. They intentionally left pace on the table. Yeah, and they they pitted... They ran more time... <sighs> they ran less time on the hards than George Russell did on the softs. Yeah, they put How the do you do in, that? They put the player in 10 laps earlier. Yeah, and, and then he just uh, Russell Russell just overcut them to shit on immediately better rubber because he started on soft, went to medium. Um, but what it meant that the the typical low speed deficiencies of cars like the Williams, cars like uh, the McLaren, it just didn't seem to apply here. Yeah. Um, while the high speed merits of the McLaren, which are definitely there, given we've been at two high speed tracks and they've been. Some of the best. They've been outstanding. They've been some of the best of the rest up to this point. Um, it allowed their car to really shine at what it's good at. The question mark to tie it all back into McLaren is how do you get on at the Hungaro ring next time out? Because that is about as different from Silverstone as you could get. Extremely hot temperatures. Mm. I, ex I expect Red Bull to be as devastating with an advantage as possible this year. I expect Aston to step back up because Aston was just punished by their draggy car. Mm. And if McLaren can replicate this at Hungary, they're cooking. Then they're cooking. Then, then they got something. Then honestly, if I'm Ferrari, I might look over my shoulder a little bit for yeah, the constructors. I was going to say like, this is a, like I said, the Hungaro wing is a very different track. It's very low speed, a, a huge amount of low and medium speed corners. One of the slowest tracks we go to um, on the calendar. It's a completely different track to Silverstone. If McLaren are good there, then look out. It's going to be a bar fight for second because it seems to be like, if you ignore Verstappen, these regulations have been- This is an amazing been, year. This is an amazing season where we just don't know weekend to weekend who's going to have the second best car. It's wonderful. Like you've got the wild card of Sergio Perez. You've got Alonso. You've got, you've got Ferrari's had a couple of good days. You know, like Alpine had a podium legitimately on merit so far this season. Mercedes has punched above its weight at times. Like we've had five different teams challenge for podiums already this season. Not the named the problem is the Red Bull has double the rest of the field's constructors title. It, it, they have 411 <laughs> points to Merck's 203. Um, I can put it into I can put it into another way. If Max Verstappen was a constructor, he'd be leading the championship by 52 points. Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, he has a 99 point lead on Sergio Perez now. Yeah, 99. Uh, it's, it's, oh yeah, fun statistic out of this weekend. The, the title is already out of the field's hands. Yeah. Max, Max can, Max can uh, finish Max second can... in everything and still win the title. 
Sergio Perez can run the table for the rest of the year and it might not matter. Mm. That like the, Verstappen has one hand on the championship and it's round 10. I mean, he has near as enough. I mean, he's left 21 points on the table, I believe was the math. Yeah, I think it's I, 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 I did the math. Rounds. I did the math last night. I believe he has only dropped 21 points all season. Remember that thing that I said last year? I don't think he's going to drop 39 points for the rest of 2022. He's on pace. Yeah, yeah. I, I still don't think he's dropped that 39 points. Because Hungary's halfway because we're down to 22 races given Imola's cancellation and China not making China not being replaced either. It's a 22-race mm. season. Hungary's halfway. He's only dropped 21 points all year. He's he's close. He's close to tracking at that rate if he's able to keep this up. I mean, and again, goodness only knows how long he can keep this up because, like I said, we're we on the brink. Like, he's already made history. I mean, six, winning six in a row is already stupid rare in Formula 1 history. Again, because last year happened. Yeah. Yeah, like it's, 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 it's incredible what he's doing right now. I, I, I cannot stress this enough, and I made this point on WTF One's website uh, today when I was writing about it. Like, we are witnessing quite possibly the greatest single season ever constructed in Formula One ever. Like, he's already only the sixth man in history to win six straight. That yeah. club is him. Michael, it's only a five-man club. It's him, Michael, Nico Rosberg, who, remember, he won seven straight to close out 2015 and start 2016. Alberto Ascari in 1952 through three. And, of course, Sebastian Vettel, who, who basically ran the table after the summer break in, in 2013. That, those are the people that have only won six in a row. It's a club of five. Ever. rarified air and, and to that if to extend it to the car because my god this car is a masterpiece i mean even when it is completely out of its operating window i mean he still had 10 seconds on norris before the safety car yeah um and in a situation that we know the red bull is not it can deal with it but it's not happy no it's it's not this the car, most ideal conditions and it's still won comfortably this car I've done some of the napkin math on this and on a race pace advantage, it's right there with as follows the Ferrari F2002. <laughs> Pretty good car. Um, Wasn't that the year Schumacher didn't finish off the podium all season? Uh, technically, the F2002 lost one race in 2002. Because remember, they started with last year's car, and that yeah, still probably would have been, they? They been good enough to still run it, the field it, over it, that it was, year, an, it was an adapted 01, wasn't it? Like, Initially, yeah. It was yeah. the 2001B, and then I think they only lost Monaco for the rest of 02 once they introduced <laughs> it. Um, yep. The three funny narrow wing mercs to kick off the turbo hybrid era, which so were just... Yeah, 14, 15, and 16, those mercs. Which were just practically speaking unbeatable with the exception of really two of the races on pace in 2015 yeah like they, they very like those first three years i think they only lost seven races combined or something yeah. stupid like that and half of them were their own, were, 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 was not even their own fault half of them yeah. was their drivers playing the arse like yeah, yeah they lost three races on merit for that three-year span um all of them in 2015, all of them to set. 
and then like the MP44, no introduction needed, and the Mercedes W11, again, no introduction needed. This is seal clubbers. Yeah, this is this. We are witnessing one of the greatest F1 cars ever seen relative to the field. This 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 car is tenderizing the field's meat. Um, no playtime required. Um, it, like they are, they have taken a sledgehammer it, to it. Yeah, and even then, like, I mean, they have not had any upgrades and really major upgrades in a couple of races, and their margin just isn't like their margin is condition dependent. Yeah, it's not car dependent. They they are still comfortably at least three tenths a lap quicker in most circumstances. Like in a worst case scenario for the Red Bull and a best case scenario for the McLaren, Max averaged four tenths on the field. That that's at the far end of its operating window, and it is just still so goddamn fast. Yeah, like we we joke about it on our Discord server. We use the line the lines between from Freezer Dragon and Zarbon for Dragon Ball Abridged, where where Freezer just looks at Zarbon and goes, two or three more Zarbon." <laughs> Zarbon, two or three more. Two, two or three more. more. Two or three, three more. more. Yeah, yeah, and that's that. And that's Max. He, he he could just find another three temps at will when he needs to, when he wants to. It's just complete devastating control. And uh, yeah, good luck to everybody else on that one because this season is already virtually over and we're 10 rounds deep. I mean, mean, for all intents and purposes, it is over because if you look at, I mean, and Toto said it this morning, really, that if you haven't already, look, Red Bull's done with this car. We might see, I think, one more upgrade for it. And I think that's probably going to be it beyond some, you know, obviously the track specific Mm -hmm. stuff at uh, Spa and usually get special wings there. Um. If you are one of the other teams, whether you're Ferrari or whether you're Mercedes, Dre, what do you say about Mercedes and how we evaluate them? Uh, Remind me. Uh, We evaluate them in the context of major championships. Exactly. And that's over this year. It's done. Yeah. As far as as a race win on merit, I think it's done. And and, and Toto, I'm sure, pretty much knew that after Bahrain. He's not stupid. Yeah, I, I think... Uh, and Mercedes brought a major upgrade this weekend. It didn't really change their. If anything, they probably lost a little bit just because they're trying to learn what is a very different direction. Yeah. But if you are not already, if you're Merck or Aston or Ferrari, if you're not already all in on 2024, you're already losing. Well, what's the point? What are you like? You're competing for a little bit of extra cash right now when you should be all in for next next year already because there's nothing to play for here like if you're in the top especially if you're in the top four if you're in the top four there's a good chance you're locked into a top four spot now unless you're ferrari and mclaren are able to keep this form up for the rest of the year which the way this season's played out honestly is not likely because it's been a bar fight all year long between those five teams so Like you now have, and it's also going to make the, all those points all the much more v- valuable because now you have McLaren up there. Well, that just makes the situation for Williams and Haas and Alpha and other Alpha because I don't, I can't even say the blue and white, the the, the navy and white team's full name mm. anymore. They're so disgraceful. Um, all new car this weekend, and they were comfortably awful. Yep. Um it's going to make those points all the more valuable because I think we have even more of a top a top points position lockout than we did at the start of the season where it yeah. looked super car- compartmentalized. 
exactly. Yeah, that's the state. Of, that's the state of the play as we head as we rapidly head towards summer. We got two more races in the month of July: Hungary and then Spa before the summer break. Um, and yeah, God help us all because it's looking like it's good. It's going to be uh, beatings being delivered by Red Bull for a little while yet. Unfortunately, one of the biggest stories of the weekend happened off the track. And uh, yeah, so I can't believe I'm talking about this shit again, but I feel like we have to. Um, celebrity A-lister, Cara Delevingne. Um, you may know her from Suicide Squad, um, Paper Towns, model, actress, um, and what have you. She rejected a Martin Brundle interview on the grid as Sky's cameras were rolling for the traditional Martin Brundle gridwalk affair, which led to a carnage-fueled dialogue about it across F1 Twitter. Since we have to do this again, should the grid walk exist in modern day F1? And um, let me kick this off by saying I am astonished at the reaction to this. I shouldn't be, given F1 Twitter has a collective capacity of about 14 brain cells. I but think yet, you are badly highballing it. I'm trying to be generous um, and failing, clearly. Um, the way I see it, it is actually startling how many people, men especially, that can't wrap their heads around the simple concept of no means no. It really mm -hmm. is as simple as that. Like I, 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 I can't, I, I can't. I'm not going to make any jokes about this. I'm not going to say an asterisk here or a caveat there. It really is that simple. No means no. And like, and. I need to clarify one thing here as well. The Brundle clause that people keep talking about was not to say that you have to talk to the media. The Brundle clause was, which, which we were, which is what has been nicknamed via the media because Martin Brundle is apparently a deity in the eyes of F1 Twitter that uh, you must kiss his feet if he if he graces the grid with your presence. Um, that was for the removal of security after the Megan the Stallion incident from 2021, which understandably Megan the Stallion had security on the grid at Cota that weekend because she'd been shot earlier that year. Let's not forget mm -hmm. that. She was a victim of gun violence that year, understandably in a large public space and surrounded by tens of thousands of people, you might want to hire a bit of extra security. Startling concept, I know. So no, you do not have to talk to Martin Brundle. And Martin Brundle didn't seem to know that because Martin Brundle literally stuck the mic on her face and said, you've got to talk to me. Uh, no, you fucking don't. Thank you very much. So, I mean, Cam, what did you make of all this? Because I'm, I'm just startled even having to have this conversation again. I mean, I don't really know how much I can really add because echoed most of my thoughts regarding the regarding the whole discussion about it pretty well i mean i mean look we what is what is a oftentimes there is an often repeated phrase that we discuss on this uh show usually in relation to indycar and the way their fans get down on twitter mm. um quote please like my dumb sport well, people aren't going to like your dumb sport if every time someone outside of the sport comes into the sport, 
you try to subject them to your idealistic version of the sport. And to, to, that, to those who believe that any guest of an F1 team on the grid needs to be a racing expert to be allowed on the grid or needs to, needs to be there to discuss the race at a moment's notice, touch some grass. It's outside. The, 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 know, the, that's what that's what that's what the fucking pundits are paid to do. That's not the job of the celebrities who are on the grid. <sighs> Formula One as a collective is not going to metaphorically fuck you for knowing a random stat for insert random driver here. You don't need to go to bat this hard for someone doing a grid walk at a fucking motor race. Don't do it for F1. You don't need to do it for IndyCar. You didn't need to do it for Michael Waltrip and NASCAR. No. Um, and you don't need to enable shitty behavior because it makes you feel better about your sport. Rap for me was tone deaf and awful. Yes, extremely. Quote, you're not allowed to say no is fucking awful. Yeah, it's on so many levels. It's awful. And look, I, 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 full disclosure, I had the luxury of being able to interview Martin Brundle earlier this year. He is one of my broadcasting heroes. I wouldn't be the journalist and broadcaster I am today if it wasn't for him. This behavior is also low-key very misogynistic. It's it, because it, it this this is the women this generally happens to. It's not the first time I've seen him do it on a grid walk, and it's not the last. Megan The Stallion, Cara Delevingne, Naomi Campbell, Elizabeth Hurley... Like all celebrities that don't have a massive knowledge pool of Formula One, Nicole Scherzing is another one. You know that, that that's a clip that went viral years ago when she couldn't hear him on on a very loud grid walk. I mean, this was the V eight era where again the engines were still loud as shit. So you know, this like there is a pattern of behavior with Brundle when it comes to this, and it's something that I've that I've that's never sat right with me in regards to how he's gotten down on these grid walks. And and another thing, we are not in the luxurious position to be gatekeeping the shit out of this sport. Because I was one of the people that talked about this quite openly on social media as it happened yesterday. And I got a lot of men in my mentions, and I'm not the only one. Shout out to people like Simon Patterson, who isn't even an F1 journo, and he was calling this out on his Twitter, and rightly so. Um... A lot of misogynistic men talking about how you've got to give Martin Brundle 10 seconds of your time, otherwise you're classless. No, you fucking don't. You're like, you, you don't owe Martin Brundle anything. You don't know anyone on that grid anything. And well, no, you don't need to be knowledgeable to be on an F1 grid. Like how, c- Celebrities and high-profile people have been, invent- have been invited to sporting events for publicity's sake for generations, for centuries. That's how sport works. <laughs> like- it's how you promote your sport outside of its own circle. It's not exclusive. And it's, it rolls back to something that I've talked about a little bit on the socials where it's, it's people forming this very odd parasocial relationship with a sport and the individuals within it. To the point that if something or someone breaks that idealistic view of that individual of the sport, you have to go to bat for it. 
Yeah, you, you lash you out. To, to, you, you, you have to wrap yourself. You, you have to wrap yourself in that. It's why it's why people are posting psychological op-eds on Max Verstappen and the way he celebrates his wins as being too dry. It's the reason why you have fans of insert driver here. You can pick any driver on the grid. I'm sure there's plenty. Um, and the same 20 to 30 people who, if you criticize them, you'll have 20 to 30 people in your mentions. All I, with I, the I, hashtag I saw, in yeah. I saw sh- Pete, yeah. I saw Hamilton fans criticize George Russell for praising Oscar for Piastri and saying he deserved the place on the podium because that would have meant that Hamilton wouldn't have been on it. Even though Piastri drove his nuts off in that race and was outstanding. Yeah. One of, and, the, one of, the, one of the drives of the season so far, easily. <sighs> yeah. And it's and I'm not even I'm not even calling out a specific a specific a no, specific it's a, group, but it's, 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 it's it across a, the board. It's a sport-wide problem. And look, I live in New England. I live not that far north of Boston. There are three religions here. Tom Brady, Big Poppy, and Larry Bird. In that order. In that order. In descendant uh, order. <laughs> like, I live practically in the mecca of parasocial relationships with athletes. Oh, God, yeah. Tom, Bra- Tom Brady is part of the family where I live. Even now. <laughs> And like, you don't need to go to bat these hard for these people. It's not worth it. Your online personality should be your personality, not how much of a fan you are of insert driver here or Formula One or Martin Brundle's gridwalks. Martin Brundle's gridwalks have been a thing now for almost 30 years. I think his first one was in 97. The entire point of the gridwalk is to be as intentionally obnoxious and awkward as possible. The, the, the whole premise is sticking your mic into a middle of an existing conversation, interrupting it and trying to get a soundbite. That's the only, entire premise of it. And he's only targeting more celebrities in recent years because the drivers have explicitly told him, do not interview me on the grid. Uh, but the difference is- to do. Brundle respects that. Like, like, and that's what annoys me. When the drivers tell him no, it's not a problem. When the celebrities tell him no, it's like, oh, well, you know, this the Cara Delevingne is classless. Because, oh, by the way, I need to point out as well, Cara Delevingne is neurodiverse. She has ADHD. The last thing you need to do is stick a microphone in her face without her consent. Yeah, like, on, on international fucking television. And, and to that effect, both the FIA advised her not to give an interview and Alfa Romeo has been, who she was a guest of um, this weekend, has openly gone to bat for her that, hey, like her boundaries were stepped over. She shouldn't have to give an interview if she doesn't want to. That's the that's, point. That's you, the, that is the sport pushing back on you trying to defend the sport. Yeah, The sport's like, not okay with it either. Alfa Romeo's PR representative was there next to her as that was going on. That's literally their job to look after their their guests. Like that's yeah. the point. If someone doesn't want to be interviewed, it is literally Alfa Romeo's job of their PR team to make sure she doesn't get interviewed. It really is that simple. Like the whole point of Brundle's gridwalks. And again, I said I, I can only stress this enough. Like this was. It's it's been a tonal shift because most drivers now do not want to be interviewed on the grid, and rightly so, understandably so. So Brundle's had to go and target celebrities more often because otherwise you wouldn't have much of a grid walk at all. 
Hence why, and look, Sky know exactly what they're doing. They want to get big name celebs on these good books. So they now upload them all on YouTube. They want the big name stars. Like again, Cara Delevingne's clip on Twitter has already got hundreds of thousands of views on their YouTube page. You know, the ones that they've had earlier in the season with Trent Alexander-Arnold, the Liverpool and England footballer, or Ben Stokes, the England the England cricket captain. They get hundreds Trey. of thousands of views. It's it's how they make money. It's literally yes. how they make money. Yeah, Sky as a media entity are far they they are far too savvy to not know that they know what they're doing. Of course they do. Um, they know what they're doing when they do something like this. They know what they're doing when they ins- they make their insinuations about Red Bull and then Red Bull boycotts them for a week. And then they know what they're doing. And remember, Red Bull were made out to be the villains for that. And I said on and I was one of the few people that raised my head above the parapet during that weekend and said, no, Red Bull's got every right not to talk to the media. Like, it's disrespectful to go on a nationally televised sporting product and say that a world title, that a, that a team rightly won, whether you want to, like, whether you want to call bullshit on Abu Dhabi, however you want to describe it, it goes in the books as a Red Bull championship. They won it, and they had no say in how that title was decided. You cannot take that away from them, and to imply that on a nationally televised product is disrespectful. And they had every right to boycott Sky that weekend. Ted Kravitz has been a broadcaster for 25 years. He should know better. He knows yeah. exactly what he was doing, and he's been antagonistic about this before. And when David Croft is calling you out on broadcasts regarding this, maybe you need to look in the mirror and realize, hey, maybe it's us. And that's and, it, and, and we're having. I don't want to criticize Sky because I've genuinely got mates who work for them behind the scenes, but the higher ups know what they're doing, and Martin Brundle is not afraid to be an antagonistic dick to get content and to get easy content. Well, There's and, no getting and, around it. The, 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 yeah. the body of proof is overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, he Brundle's been handed the reins to do this, and anytime someone tells him no, he acts like a child over it. Yeah, he get, especially when it's a woman. When it's a woman, and when it's a woman that, re- that rejects an interview, he gets pissy about it. He, 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 has, he, he, has a, he throws a tantrum live on the broadcast. We can all hear it again. The body of work is there. In the 2000s, ITV thought it was funny enough to put in a montage. So again, all these TV networks, going back to ITV back in the late 90s, early 2000s, they all knew what they were doing on this. Like, the broadcast, like, people need to stop thinking that these broadcasters are innocent bystanders in all of this. They know, they all there is someone feeding instructions into Brundle's ear. I need to make this point. Brundle doesn't like doing these grid walks. He's openly said it himself. Like, and he, the funny thing is as well is that he'll be the first person to get on Twitter and tell people, ease off the troops. I'm, I don't take it personally when a celebrity says no, even though it kind of implies that he does it in real time. But the, like, this is the man you're defending. He, he acknowledges that he is a part of the problem. So why are we batting for this guy so hard? Yeah, you're you're batting for the guy who's telling you, no, don't bat for me. I don't take it personally. Look, I don't take it personally. And he knows he's being antagonistic. He knows what he's doing. He's He's getting a soundbite for TV. He's he's prepared to risk his reputation to do it. He's, He's prepared to risk angering people on the internet to do so. And 
the problem is is that I the, the thing I fear most about this is that the majority of people are probably agreeing with him on this. Like I, I think our opinions here are in the minority. And that saddens me that ultimately, and let's not forget, we are in a male-dominated sport, massively male-dominated sport, and a load of men are rushing to their keyboards to basically denounce the simplest of phrases, and I'm going to loop it all back to what we said at the start, that no means no. We have a long fucking way to go here in the in the way that motorsport is covered if this is the hill we are choosing to die on as a community of hardcore fans. We have a long, long fucking way to go. Not good enough. It's pathetic. We have we have to do better. There, there is there is there is no getting around this. I'm not saying you cancel the grid walk, but some basic some basic manners would go a long way here. It, like, and I can't believe I'm saying the most basic of fixes to something that, yeah, of course, the majority of people find it entertaining. And of course, that's your right. If you like the grid walk, you're more than entitled to do so. That's how you consume your media. How you get down is down to you. But you you enjoying the grid walk should not, should not come at the cost of someone being uncomfortable on that grid. And end of discussion. Be, being made to be uncomfortable on that grid. And at, at the very least, while I've seen I've seen a lot more of a split opinion on this than the last incident in Coda 21, where mm. felt like we were in the overwhelming minority of calling out that kind of behavior. So ugh. moving on for the fifth weekend in a row. Sergio Perez fails to make Q3, this time via a Q1 elimination after starting his final lap too soon and going too slowly in dry conditions. He improved to sixth in the race, but got the dreaded vote of confidence from the bosses at the top this morning. Is it time to start thinking about a Checo replacement too? Because like we saw it this morning, Cam. Red Bull had to deny they are not culling Sergio Perez. They are not promoting Daniel Ricciardo, who is their current third driver at Red Bull at the moment. Who's testing he's in testing the current car this week. right now. Yep. Yep. He, by the time this has gone out, he's done his test. Uh, because, of course, people are going to spin that wheel. And the fact that Red Bull's had to publicly come out and say this, it's very soccer. It's very NFL. It's very vote of confidence sort of talk, because we all know when the board gives the vote of confidence, they know they're on the brink of getting sacked. We know how sports operates. It goes in almost any sport. Um, I, 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 it, this feels like an exaggeration to a degree. Yeah. Um. Like, we're not pretending that Checo is driving well here because he isn't. I, my, my theory is that Checo is not a bad driver. But if you knock him ever so slightly off optimal conditions, he his pace craters, and that's a problem. He he has a he seemingly has a very narrow operating window. Yeah, and with that's, this car. Yeah, and given, I said it in the show for a reason earlier that this Red Bull is in extraordinary company as a car. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, not making Q3 in five races. That is really not a good look. Hasn't made it in five. It's uh, it's and, not and good. And the thing is, is that a lot of it, I looked at the angle of... I, <coughs> oh, health. Um, <laughs> I looked at the angle of he was the first one out, and the tires spent a lot of time cooling when that happened in Q1. Counterpoint. He was, yeah, he, he, was sat, the, he was sat under pit lane for eight minutes, which didn't help, I'm sure. But. He didn't help, but also a Williams was two cars behind him and got in. It's, not, it's just not good enough, is it? Like, no. Um, it's really not good enough. And I mean, I mean, we, we spoke about it at length for the Bottas not securing the bag when things went wrong for Lewis in 2020 in the last ultra-dominant car that we saw. You need to be there to pick up the pieces because the, the perfect season is on right now. Realistically, I think, I think Aston's window has closed. I think Monaco was their window. I think that double pit stop with, with Alonso, their window is closed. Mm-hmm. I think Mercedes, if it's true that they've canned development on the car, they're not going to win a race this year. Nope, they're dumb. Which Mercedes going winless in a season is. I mean, they were more competitive last year with the W13 and its pogo stick routine. They were more competitive in the V8 era. We're looking at at one win in two years, potentially. Yeah, uh, when the tire flew off 10 years ago. Right. God. Um,. If, but if something happens to Max, whether it's reliability, whether it is a tire failing, um, where it's late enough in the race where he can't scythe back through the field, or God forbid he retires, Uncle Inform Perez is not going to maintain that perfect season. Yeah, the, your, the sa- minimum, your, saf- your safety net, your safety net is failing here. Yeah, they have no safety net other than just the sheer pulverizing ability of their car and their top driver right now, um, and. Outside factors will bite them eventually. It, they always do. I mean, it did it's to McLaren F1. in '88. It's F one. There are a hundred. There's only one way to win a race, and there's a hundred ways to lose one. Yeah, and Perez, his race pace has generally been okay. It's just a lot of self inflicted screw ups in qualifying. Um, Australia, bruh. Monaco, triple bruh. You Ugh. tried a, a bonsai qualifying lap in the top car in the field on the first lap in qualifying Q1. Q1. What are you doing? Canada got caught out by the rain. Caught out by the rain, but you, I mean, Spain you have to be again. better than that. Yeah, Spain again caught out in changeable conditions. Uh, you can't have that that narrow of an operating window. I'm just no. saying, like those two, you can throw those down to changeable conditions, whatever. He's had a couple where he just has not delivered. I mean, the, the track limits in Austria were especially egregious given the sheer advantage that Red Bull had in Austria. Mm. I mean, that should have been a nailed on one, to, an effortless one too. And I mean, it was in the sprint. I don't, I do not understand it. It is. He was better last year. He was better in qualifying last year with that previous car, which we know he couldn't re- like mid point of the season onwards. He couldn't really set it up to his liking the way Verstappen could, and like he could at the start of the season. 
if you want some bonus thoughts on this, I did write my I dedicate I dedicated my post race column to this very topic on Sergio Perez, and I used a Star Trek analogy. I used the Kobayashi Maru, the unwinnable situation. For those who don't quite know what that is, if you're if you're not a Trekhead um, or a Trekkie, so to speak, it's the situation that Starfleet trainees are put into where they're put into a no-win scenario. It's either you save the Kobayashi Maru, which is in Klingon airspace, and you will your crew will die if you try to save <laughs> if you try to save the Kobayashi Maru, or you don't, and the Kobayashi Maru faces certain death if you avoid it. It is an there's un- no win situation. It's an unwinnable situation, and Sergio Perez is not Captain Kirk. You know, and no. as the story goes, Captain Kirk rigged the machine that was so on his third attempt he could actually win because 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 Captain Kirk d- d- didn't believe in a no win scenario. So he made so he 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 basically took it off the table. Perez is not that talented. All that no, big of a he's, not, he's not that guy. <laughs> um, yeah, like I don't think that they're going to replace Perez unless he starts driving into Max with regularity. I don't think they're going to replace Perez. No, like we, we're not at that point. Like, like, like right Why? now, they're in the luxurious situation where Red Bull has no opposition for this year's title. Like, unless he absolutely shits the breadbasket for the rest of the year, like, nah, he'll be fine for this year. But next year, that's the thing: is that Red Bull has what nearly amounts to an unassailable advantage, as I said. This weekend, their car was as out of the window as you could probably get it, and they still smothered the field. Max did, at least. Right. Um, once that un- that nearly unassailable advantage goes away, you do not have that luxury anymore. And again, if you are put into a position where Max cannot bring home the win, Perez need- he needs to step up his game. Right, as I put it, because missing Q3 in a, at minimum, up to this point, top five F1 car ever, top five, six car ever, that ain't acceptable. Um, no matter who you are. I mean, Gasly and Albon were were demoted for less. Yeah, and they were, they were given very short leashes in the grand scheme of things. Pierre Gasly was given 12 races. Before he lost races, his job. And those Red Bulls were vicious to drive. And the they way it's going, front end. And the way it's going, Nick DeFries might get the same 12 before he's let go. Yeah, because while I don't think that Paris is getting replaced, it is pretty much an open secret at this point that Nick DeFries is a dead man walking. Yeah. And I mean, it's, probably, like, probably going to be Ricardo. Liam Lawson, apparently, Lawson. in front of the queue. They'll, mm. they'll, they'll pull Lawson out of Super Formula and they'll put him in the f1 seat immediately apparently is uh what i've been told front of the queue um from what i've also been told off the record a little bit here and there and what i can share is that rebel are now apparently starting to get genuinely fed up with perez throwing away easy chances um because i mean dre your brother has a bet on this 14 double podiums and uh right now he like right now like perez is literally costing ryan easy money one two three four five we've only got five and it's been 10 races he's all of these on merit should be one twos or one threes at the worst right like so he's had five out of 10 so far this season he needs 14 out of 22 which means he has which means red bull needs to get both cars on the podium nine out of 12 
to close out the year. That's a pretty thin window. That's 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 a that's a small margin of error. It wouldn't take a lot for that not to come through. And as, yeah. as, and as Jason and it points out, yeah, and it certainly isn't coming from Max. And as Jason points out, it's five out of ten, but it was four from the first five. Yeah, he started off the year giving oh, Max enough. To- JB, by the way, my bad. JB, <laughs> uh, the, the the other man who digs himself into the uh, core of the earth. <laughs> um, look, like it was four one twos from the first five. And Australia was, again, him crashing and qualifying and cutting back through the field at a track where it's not that easy to pass. He was passing. He got to the fifth. Yeah. He got to fifth place. And since then, it's just, I mean, Monaco 16th, just just beyond unacceptable, especially when Max puts in that qualifying lap in that third sector. Oh, yeah. Same equipment. Otherworldly stuff. Um, for me, probably lap of the year, probably will remain lap of the year until further notice. Probably. Um, Spain threw it away, got back to fourth. Canada threw it away, got back to sixth. Austria threw it away for track limits in qualifying with margin to spare. Got it back on the podium, but gee, that should have been a dick flattening one, two. Right. And let's not forget, he had three lap times canceled in Q2. Three. All of his, he had no lap time. Yeah, all of his, all of his speed laps were taken away through track limits. Three of them. Yeah, he didn't even have a banker to fall back on to land in the middle of the Q two group. That's completely unacceptable. Like it's, and uh, you, you could see Horner that weekend on Saturday, on Friday after qualifying. Angry. He was livid. I've never seen Horner so angry. Like he was pissed. At Checo. And yeah, he recovered reasonably well in the end to get second in the sprint and then third in the race itself. But again, like you said, it should have been an easy one too. Most of these should have been an easy one too. And he's, like, like like I said, he's, he, he's got two. He needs to change his driving style or he is a dead man walking. There's no getting around it. You, you like, unfortunately, this is Max's team and you have to adapt to an RB19 or you will die. There is no getting around it. Like I'm, I'm sorry. I don't, like, I don't even think it's that because he's got the pace in the races. It's that in qualifying, it's like in qualifying. You know what it feels like? It feels like he's trying too hard. Yeah, feels like he's trying to get blood from a stone when the only person who's going to get that last, that last nth out of the car is going to be Max. I mean, we saw it in Monaco. He wall rode three walls to get that pole position, and he needed to. Yeah. Um. And Perez needs to he, he needs to think about what's in f- directly in front of him before he can ever hope to think of challenging Max. And that's the sad thing about it. I shouldn't expect him to challenge Max. Max is a generational fucking talent. If Max Verstappen retired tomorrow, he's a debatable top five driver of all time. Certainly in the top ten. Like we are looking at potentially a three-time world champion with 55 wins by the time the year's out. That's not unthinkable numbers at this point. I don't need Checo to be on that level. I just need him to follow him home. Follow him home, even if it's by 10 or 11 seconds. No one's going to care if you're finishing second every week. That's fine. The problem is he's going to, and it feels like he's just overstepping the mark. He, 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 needs he needs to, to, he needs to, he needs, he needs yeah, he needs to, to get what he can get and see where it lands him. 
rather than trying to again he's he's thrown away so many points in the last five races who uh, i mean he didn't i mean on on merit he finished out of the points in monaco as a direct result of that error mm. this car should not be out of the points under any circumstances i think this thing could finish in the points in three wheels Let's see how the rest of this season plays out on that one, because, uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't think Checo's under any genuine pressure yet, but it really wouldn't hurt to get a couple more podiums here and there before the summer, just to shut everybody up go, going into August. Get, get a couple of seconds in in Hungary and then in Spa, and no one's going to say a word through the summer break, and everything will be fine. It really is that simple. We have very we have very short memories in this fucking sport. Um, so, you know, so, you know, crack on is what I would say. For better and for worse. For better and for worse. Right. We'll be back next week. Just the one episode next week as well, because it's a quiet time in the, in the world of motorsport from July and August. Uh, it's, it's a quiet month. So we've just got IndyCar in Toronto uh, next week. Big shout out. Um, so, I mean, we've got Formula E as well. Formula E in Rome as well. Okay. Formula E in Rome as well. Cool. Cool. It's coming uh, to Rome. Coming to Rome, and uh, I was like, well, Mitch Evans land. Mitch will will say one last bruh to get back in this title race. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Fortunately, ended early by rain, but uh, check out the highlights from the Atlanta NASCAR race from last night as time mm. of recording. Debatable race of the year contender. That shit was crazy. I mean, apparently, very, very good race. Um, yeah, do check that out. So, yeah, we got Formula E uh, in Rome next week, and we got IndyCar. So, shout out to our friend Zoe Hamilton. It's actually going to be in there in person in Toronto uh, for that one. I, I like Zoe. I know you're listening to this when this eventually goes out. I need you arm in arm in Alec, with Alex Polo. Otherwise, I'm going to judge you massively. Do what needs to be done. Give that, <laughs> give that wholesome man some tablet. Yes, give I'll that man some, some tablet good. and a him, loving, get him and, right, and a loving Scottish squeeze. Do 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 what needs to be done. Right, we'll be back next week for a couple more episodes. IndyCar Toronto, Formula E uh, in in Rome. Do check those out if you get a chance already. Um, hope you guys enjoyed the show. I've been Dre Harrison. He's been Cam Buckley. Until next time, sayonara. Take care. Stop making the, your fandom your entire online personality, please. This sport does not love you back, I promise. <laughs>